I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. In today's episode, we talk about what to do when it seems like God is silent. start this episode with a time-traveling joke, but you guys didn't like it. Ah, silence. How appropriate for this episode, and you'll see why. Welcome to episode 62 of the Man of Food for Thought podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Thank you to all of our patrons who keep this podcast going. If you would like to financially support this podcast for as little as $1 a month, you can do that by visiting our website, manafoodforthought.com. And I want to shout out to a new patron, Faye Stroud. Thank you so much. Faye, you're awesome. Um, Someone from my parish. So excited to and, and honored and just really humbled by the fact that you'd want to support our podcast. So thank you so much for doing that. Um, so that's definitely been a high moment for me this week. Um, but let's share a little bit of our peak pit and plug. So uh, peak for me, um, beyond that, that amazing generosity from Faye, um, we all finally, after being sick for a while and after the holidays, made it to Mass together. My wife, my daughter, and I. Um, So that was very nice. The pit, however, was that it was really, really hard. Um, You know, Hannah hadn't been to Mass in a little while, and she gets very restless, and she wants to touch everything and play with everything. She gets very fussy. We went in the evening, which is probably not the right time to go. And I just was kneeling at communion at that Mass and just feeling like a failure and like I couldn't hold it together, and I had had a bad day otherwise. And so... I don't know if you're a parent out there and you've been feeling like that lately. I just want you to know like you're not alone and we're all a mess. And sometimes we just feel like we're not doing anything right at all. But, um, you know, everything worked out and Hannah was fine in the long run, but it's just it was just hard. So um, a plug. Uh, I've been watching a lot of documentaries lately, um, trying not to just get sucked into TV and having it on in the background for no reason. So just, yeah, maybe watch a documentary, something that you're interested in. Um, I tend to watch a lot of things about food and nutrition because of my uh, weight loss journey. But um, another thing I wanted to plug, which I didn't even plan to plug until I heard it yesterday, um, one of my favorite podcasts is Every Knee Shall Bow. Um, It's an evangelization podcast. And so I know I've plugged it before, but you have to go listen to their most recent episode from Wednesday, uh, February 5th. It's called Why We Can't Earn God's Love. And I guarantee you, like this, there's so many amazing little nuggets in this episode that really help uh, pick apart any kind of misunderstandings you have about God. Like if you've ever seen God as disappointed in you or as someone that you're trying to go search for or to please, or um, if you've ever experienced him as angry or judgmental or condemning, like I, I really want you to go listen to this podcast episode because it really picks apart a lot of those misunderstandings about God and his mercy and why we can't earn his love. He just freely offers it. So anyways, that's Every Knee Shall Bow is the name of the podcast. I highly recommend the whole podcast, but especially this most recent episode from Wednesday, February 5th, 2020, depending on what year you're listening to this episode called Why We Can't Earn God's Love. So without further ado, let's get into the content for this episode. Um, I This episode may not be too long, but I just, I really, I plan to do something else. And then I've been really reflecting on um, just this kind of phrase or this sentence that we cannot confuse God's silence with God's absence. 
or at least God's perceived silence as God's absence. And I think we do that a lot uh, when we talk about our relationship with God. I hear so many times like, oh, I kind of, I kind of lost God or I'm, I'm, on a, I'm on a journey. I need to find God. Uh, I can't hear God right now. Um, God's been kind of quiet or silent. God's not answering my prayers. I hear that constantly. I've said those things before <clears throat> many times in my life. And maybe you have too. Maybe you can relate to this, this idea that God kind of like shuts off a little bit, or he's trying to teach us a lesson, or he's trying to put us through something for a purpose. And I've come to find out more and more that that's really not what's happening. It's really our expectation of relationships that get in the way of really exploring a new type of relationship with God when our faith begins to mature. So think about this. When you had your conversion experience or your wow moment or your moment where you first kind of thought like, oh, God is real or God might be real, or you're really starting to explore your relationship with God. Maybe you haven't had that yet. And I pray that you do. I pray that you, you know, lean into that and really know how much God loves you and that he's real, that he created you for a purpose. And, you know, to just really sit in a moment of prayer and just kind of open up and say that God, like, if you're there, like, help me feel that you're real because I want to give my life to you. I want to know you. But I, I gather that many people listening to a podcast like this can probably pinpoint a moment in their life where God has spoke to them or they had an experience of God and they wanted to respond in some way. And that's called a conversion. I mean, you have a conversion experience where, you know, to convert means to turn. You want to turn from one way of living to another way of living. And that new way of living is, you know, wanting to live life pursuing the Lord and pursuing heaven. And so when we start that relationship with God, it's just like starting any relationship. There's a lot of joy. Um, we start talking to God more. We start conversing. We start praying more. We start learning more. We want to learn more about him. But then we get to a point where we probably feel like we're getting burnt out or jaded or we're just going through the motions or things have gotten stale. Um, and we, we try and go back to God for that same type of beginning of the relationship boost. And what do we most often get? We perceive that we get nothing. We perceive that we're getting silence. But we cannot confuse God's silence with God's absence. You never need to go look for God. There's a word we use to describe God. It's omnipresent. That he is omnipotent, he's all-powerful, that he's omniscient, he's all-knowing, but he's omnipresent. He is everywhere, simultaneously. He is so close to you at every given moment, You, it would be ridiculous to think that you need to look for him. It would be the same as saying, like, oh, I need to go look for air. Like, no, air is all around you, you know, unless you're in space or in, like, a, you know, a vacuum, like... That's the reality, you know, um, and even in those places in space and in vacuums like God exists. So um, don't confuse his silence or his perceived silence with absence. Most often, here's what's happening when we think God is silent. Number one, um, that we just aren't listening or expecting him to speak in uh, we're expecting him to speak in the same way he did before. So we're not listening or we're not we're not anticipating he might speak to us in a new way, in a different way um, that he might want to share with us some other aspect of who he is, draw us into deeper relationships. So it's really not about him being silent. It's about us not listening well. Or um, God could be using an opportunity of silence and an opportunity of, of him not directly speaking, but him still being right there to tell us to wait, to rest, or to listen. Um, you know, oftentimes you can ask someone a question and them just kind of gazing at you and not really giving a response is kind of an answer. You know, um, you know, here's a negative example. God wouldn't do this, but here's a negative example. If you tell someone that you're just starting to be in a relationship with, I love you. And then all of a sudden they look back at you and they're silent. 
That's an answer, you know? So God obviously isn't doing that, but there's a way that silence can be an answer or, um, you know, him not saying something directly can still be him wanting to be there and be with us um, or invite us to rest, invite us to listen, invite us to just be with him. Um, and that's really the other thing. Maybe God just wants to be with you. Maybe he just wants to sit. So again, think about any relationship. Like if you show up to a first date with anybody and there's any amount of silence, it's crazy awkward, right? You're always trying to fill the silence. There's kind of this positive pressure to keep the conversation going. And um, if you like each other, if you feel like there's chemistry and that's a little more effortless to do, maybe there's some butterflies, there's passion, there's excitement. Guess what? You want to talk more. You want to learn more about each other. You want to have new experiences together. That's like a conversion with God. Like you want to talk to him more. You want to pray. You want to have more experiences with him. You want to get ingrained into a community of people who know him. So if you're really starting to date someone, you really like them. What do you do? You meet their community. You meet their family. You meet their friends. Like that's how a relationship works. But when that relationship begins to mature and you've been around each other for a long time, silence becomes more comfortable. It becomes more normal. You're around each other more frequently. You've had a lot of those exciting entry level, um, surface level or getting to know you conversations. And you don't necessarily need to fill every gap of silence um, because there are people in your life, like your very close friends or family, where you can just be with them and you don't need to say anything. You know, you can simply enjoy being each other's presence. You can be, um, you know, beholding something, listening to something together. Um, you can be people watching, enjoying the day, going for a walk. You can be relaxing, reading books, all of that. Like you can do that together. And it's not strange. You know, you don't have to feel like you have to fill the silence. You do in the very beginning, but once your relationship matures, you don't need to feel that way. And so it's because there's a deeper sense of presence, of intimacy, of understanding that doesn't need to be filled with noise or this, um, this sense like, I got to get to know this person more. You know them, you know, and there's going to be a deeper sense of knowing, um, just like a married couple, like they can sit and be quiet together in a room for a long amount of time, especially if the kids are asleep. They kind of are just like, all right, we just need to kind of sit for a second. We don't need to talk, you know, um, but it's not because we're neglecting this idea that like, oh, I don't really know this person, but I don't desire to. It's like, no, I married this person. I know them better than probably anyone else on the planet besides God. And I, I don't need to constantly be on this quest to find more information. I'll learn more as we experience things together, as we have those chances to have conversation. Um, but I'm not going to lose that, you know? And I think this is how God wants to know us as our relationship with him matures. Um it doesn't mean that he's silent. It just means that our relationship is becoming different. Um, so it's important for us not to get disenchanted in these moments that feel silent. Uh, we can find ways to try and spice up our relationship. Like some couples, they do get very jaded and going through the motions. Some friendships get very dry and like, oh, I feel like we're not connecting. Um, family, you can feel like really distant from. Uh, but usually if you get back in that space where it's like, all right, we have some time then you can kind of pick up where you left off. But sometimes you can't. Sometimes bitterness comes in. You don't have the conversations you're supposed to have. You're not communicating. And so you do need to spice it up. You do need to work on it. And the same is true for God. Maybe you haven't been communicating him with him at all. And maybe it's just gone dry because of a lack of effort or a lack of priority on our end. And that's something we can control. But let's say you're really trying to pursue a relationship with him and all of a sudden it just seems different. I would invite you to lean into that difference and ask like, okay, God, how are you inviting me to be deeper in relationship with you? 
maybe I don't need to constantly be talking or constantly be exploring new ideas of who you are or waiting for you to speak. Maybe I just need to sit with you and let you be my dad and let you be my friend and let you be someone who loves me um, and, and, just, and just enjoy that you know, moment of rest with you. Um, this doesn't mean that he's always going to, you know, we're always going to perceive him as silence. Um, but it can be an invitation to just enjoy being with him. Like you can never lose God in your life. Like I said, like he's as close to you as the air is that you're breathing in. He's omnipresent. He's in, and in one word, you can just ask one invitation. Um, he's there. He's always one invitation away at all times. Um, and that doesn't mean he's distant and then you invite him, he comes to find you. It just means he might just be allowing you to have your space. You know, he's not going to force himself on us. God is a very uh, perfect gentleman in that way. And so I've shared this analogy before, um, but um, a commentator of some of the writings of St. John of the Cross, um, you know, has this idea that like, um, we don't need to go search for God. We simply need to put ourselves in a position to be found. You know, I don't need to go looking for this deeper conversation, deeper knowledge, wondering why, like, oh, why aren't things like they were before? Maybe I just need to sit with God and let him find me, let him communicate with me, or let me just be with him because he cherishes me in that way. Um, you know, I don't always have to be doing something with my daughter, but if she's just sitting in my lap or resting her head on my shoulder and she's reading a book, she's like doing her own thing. I love just being with her. And I don't need to be saying anything. I don't need to be reading the book. I don't need to constantly be talking to her, teaching her. Sometimes I can just sit with her. And I think that's what God wants with us. He just wants to cherish those moments. And he's inviting us to cherish them as well. But sometimes we just, we want the butterflies in the beginning, right? We want the big moment. We want the passion. And no other relationship is like that. You know, you can find it again a little bit when you spice it up and you learn how to be in those deeper, more silent moments together. Then you get this sense of joy and appreciation. We've talked about this many times before, how every relation cycles from passion to disillusionment to joy and then back to passion and back to disillusionment, back to joy and all around again. And God, our relationship with him is the same. You know, the passion is that conversion moment in the beginning and where people get impatient is what they perceive as this disillusionment, but it's always on our end. You know, we are not good at listening. We're not good at prioritizing. We're not good at change. And so when God wants to do something new and different, um, it's hard for us to adapt. But we need to be willing to do that. Um, and this is all of this whole idea of who God is uh, and, and inviting us into deeper presence with him and not always needing to do something, but inviting us to be quiet and experience him in the silence. This is all in scripture. So um, Exodus chapter 14, verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. You have only to keep still. And this is, you know, there's a time when Moses um, and <clears throat> the chosen people of Egypt, they're battling um, another uh, group of people. And, and Moses is trying to um, you know, I, th I think this is the story. He's trying to keep his arms elevated um, as God instructed him to, and he's fighting and he's fighting. And he's just like, look, just, just, just be still here. Just do what I asked you to do. Just be with me here in this way. And I will win the battle for you. I will show up. Uh, in the book of Daniel, the prophet Daniel, he's mourning kind of this, uh, like, where is God? You know, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And an angel comes to him in Daniel 10, chapter 12. And he says, do not fear Daniel. From the first day you made up your mind to acquire understanding and humble yourself before God, your prayer was heard. From the very moment you prayed, it was heard. 
And the angel goes on to see like, but for, I think he says for three weeks, for like 21 days, something like that, I was prevented from coming to you. And that can, that's just the reality that we live in a, in a spiritual battle, you know, and maybe Daniel was being an obstacle to hear the angel, or maybe there was an evil force at work, or maybe the devil was trying to tempt him or whatever. But God immediately hears us when we ask or when we invite. And then he assures us in Matthew, the very last verse of the gospel of Matthew, I am with you always until the end of the age. And then in John 14, verse 18, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. These promises of over and over and over again, God reminding us that we will never be alone. We don't have to be afraid. That most repeated verse uh, and phrase in all of scripture, do not fear. And often, I think in our culture, we fear being alone. We fear being forgotten. We fear not being known and not being loved. And so we have all these superficial ways to do that with dating apps and with social media and with all these different groups and political parties and hobbies and, you know, community and stuff. And community is so, so, so important, but it has to be rooted in community with God first because God is a community. God is never alone into himself and we are never alone because God is always with us. And everything needs to be rooted in that. And then as people converge upon God, they get closer and closer together and community builds organically. But if we force it because we feel alone, if we're trying to take the place of the fact that like, well, God is silent, so maybe he'll speak to me through somebody else. And we try and create this kind of Messiah prophet out of a friend or another person. That's where problems can come in and we can disconnect ourselves from this invitation God is giving me and you every single day to just be with him to just sit, to rest, to listen, to uh, allow him to hold us, to allow him to comfort us and love us. Um, just as a parent cradles their child, you know, doesn't matter if they're awake or asleep, you know, nothing needs to be said. So I invite you to think about how God might be inviting you into that space, into that relationship with him. Never confuse God's perceived silence as his absence. God is speaking constantly. He even speaks in silence because silence can speak volumes. And if you look at your deep relationships, if you look at the people you've known all your life or for a long time or who you consider your closest friends and family members, you'll see that's true. You know, you really hit it off. You had chemistry. You built this relationship. Maybe sometimes you fight and you couldn't connect. But once you get to that place where you where you know this person's going to be around for the long haul, you don't constantly need to be talking, you know? I love moments sometimes. I love talking to my wife. I love getting to know her. She still surprises me uh, and things that she reveals to me, things that she does, things that I just notice about her. I'm constantly learning new things about her. But it's not forced, you know? It's not like we're sitting down asking get-to-know-you questions like we did at the beginning of our relationship. Things come about organically, and I can just sit with her and enjoy that time. And it's some of the nicest days is when we just get to have a quiet moment. Um, You know, Hannah falls asleep in her stroller and we get to sit at a coffee shop and just sit together um, and just just be there and look around, enjoy the day. People watch, you know, maybe make a comment here or there, but really just relax. Um, And we feel closer and more um, like quality time has been spent, even though we're not filling this silence uh, constantly with words. So I would encourage you to think about how God is inviting you into that space. Maybe think about going to chapel or in your prayer this week, um, you know, doing your normal prayer, but then just leaving time um, for silence. And I would encourage you to leave as much time as you are talking and thinking 
to let yourself just be with God this week. So if you normally pray for 10 minutes and you're constantly talking and your mind's going, um, spend 10 more minutes after that just sitting and trying to get to a place where you're just with God. And maybe you need an icon or an image to look at, you know, find whatever one that you resonate with so you can focus your thought and your mind on just like gazing at the Lord. But allow that to just be something that you do and just sit with him. You know, my spiritual director gave me an icon once and he said, I want you to take this and just go on a date with Jesus. You know, go on a hike, bring it with you and just sit with him. You know, it doesn't have to be in a chapel, doesn't have to be in your normal prayer place. Like take him with you, sit at a coffee table or uh, in a coffee shop at a table and just prop the icon up and just sit there. Try not to like think about anything other than just being with the Lord. And I, I, I'm excited to hear how, how God speaks in that silence and how you, how you grow deeper in relationship with him through those silent moments. So please let me know. Let us know how that works in your prayer life. If that's something that you see bearing fruit, I guarantee you it, it will bear fruit. Uh, because the deeper relationships with Go, that's, that's kind of the more and more what they look like. And if the silence is a struggle for you, if it's something that um, is difficult, maybe you don't know how to do, I'd encourage you to ask for the intercession of a saint that I had never heard of before I was preparing for this podcast. I always love when I come across new saints. And so this is St. John the Silent. Uh, he was he lived from 454 to 558 AD. He lived for a very long time. He died when he was about 104 years old, which is humongously long life expectancy for that time. Um, and he is a Christian saint known for living alone for 76 years. 76 years he lived alone. He had interactions with other people, but he was primarily alone and quiet. He loved recollection. He loved silence. His feast day is on May 13th. And uh, he was born in modern day Turkey, uh, which was then uh, par part of the uh, Armenian Empire in 454. And he came mainly from a family of military leaders and political leaders. But his parents died when he was 18. And so he did what every 18-year-old does. He built a monastery um, where he stayed with 10 other young monks. And he decided to uh, devote his life to the priesthood. He became a bishop at the age of 28 years old. But he didn't feel like he had good leadership skills. He didn't want the job, but he was obedient to being asked to do that. And he served as bishop for nine years, um, but uh, before returning to a life of seclusion, which he had been living for 10 years um, in, in that monastery he built. Um, and so he was praying one night and he saw a vision of this bright cross in the air. And he heard a voice say to him, if you want to be saved, follow this light. And so he saw the light move to um, this other monastery of St. Sabus. And you can read about St. Sabus. And so when he was 38, um, a lot of stuff happens at the eight years for him, 18, 28, 38. When he was 38, he joined that monastery, which held 150 monks. Um, and after um, speaking with St. Sabus and kind of doing some counseling with him, um, he was given permission to have a separate hermitage so he could have his place where he could contemplate, he could recollect, he could be in silence un uninterrupted. And so for five days every week, he fasted, he never left his cell, um, only on the weekends to go to public mass. And um, it, he just had an incredible ability to just be silent with the Lord. Um, what was funny was when he came to this monastery, he never told anyone that he had been a bishop. And so um, they, I guess they weren't sure um, that he was ordained or not. 
you know, I think there was, you know, he was a monk, he had professed vows, but they weren't sure that he had received ordination and they wanted to do that. They wanted to ordain him. And so he finally had to be like, I have, I have something to tell you in private. Uh, I was ordained a bishop for nine years. <laughs> and and this was, I think, a little more common than at this time. You didn't necessarily have to be like a parish priest or, you know, priest in a community of a house church and then become a bishop. Sometimes they'd find someone who was very holy, uh, maybe just living the monastic life, and they would just give them the office of bishop, you know, not even ordain them a priest first. You were just ordained right to bishop. And so um, this, this was kind of startling for them. Um, and... Um, they were kind of relieved because they felt like um, that maybe John uh, St. John had committed some kind of crime um, or that um, they were, they were uh, he was trying to hide something because it was clear that he didn't want to be ordained. So when this came, came out, um, it was kind of a relief and they kind of just let John stay being a contemplative, um, not speaking to anybody. Um, and so uh, eventually the leadership of that monastery left. And so he went out to the, the wilderness where he spent six years and he was only eating, you know, herbs and roots and living the ascetic life out there as kind of like a desert father would have. Um, <clears throat> and then um, he, that leader, St. Sabus, returned to the monastery and he returned with him and he stayed in seclusion in his private hermitage cell for 40 years. So, um, all through this time was just living on his own and he would still see people. He would still talk to people who desired his instruction, but he spent primarily a lot of his time just by himself. Um, and so he met some people who helped, um, you know, do his biography later on, which is why we have a little more information about him than we do from a lot of other saints from this time. Um, but anyways, he, um, he kept going from seminary to, or not seminary, monastery to monastery. He fell ill, um, at a, uh, seminary of St. Eurythmus. Um, oh no, I'm sorry. This is, someone came to him to, for counsel and he told him to go to this, this seminary or this monastery of St. Eurythmus and he didn't listen. He ended up getting ill. And so, um, St. John, um, I think appeared to him in a dream and told him like, you didn't obey, so you have to go here. So he had some mystical abilities too, because of this contemplative life that he led. But anyway, um, <clears throat> John ended up dying in 558. He was 104 years old and lived in solitude for 76 years, which was only interrupted by those nine years that he served as a bishop. Um, what a life, what a life of silence, of solitude, of being with the Lord and recognizing like, yes, there's times to speak, there's times to come out of the silence, but there can be real deep beauty there. And in a culture that really is so filled with noise and filled with superficial ways to be quote unquote connected or more in the know or more learned, you know, there's constant influxes of information and studies and Netflix shows and documentaries and all these things you can learn, consume, do, experience to kind of like live a bucket list type of lifestyle. But in reality, like, I think that's just from the devil. Like, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in it. I'm not saying it's bad, but I think the devil uses that as a trigger point for us to feel like fulfillment is all about things, filling our life with things. Um, and when things become stale, quote unquote stale or silent or static, and we don't have the next thing that we're waiting for, we don't have the next big aha moment, big experience, big life change, we get kind of uh, uneasy and unsteady and we feel like something's wrong with me. My life isn't going forward or God is distant or God forgot about me. And that couldn't be further from the truth. I think we're wasting an opportunity when we feel that way to allow God to really be present to us in a beautiful and unique way in those silent moments when we can just sit with him and people watch, 
you know, lean on his shoulder and allow him to just love us and be our dad and draw us into deeper intimacy with him. So I invite you to think about that this week. Uh, I invite you to share this podcast with someone that you think could benefit from it. That's the highest compliment you could play it, pay us is to share our podcast episodes on, on social media, um, text them to friends, recommend us. And if you haven't done that formally yet by writing a rating or a review on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, please do that. And especially don't just rate the podcast, but write an actual review because that helps other people find this podcast. Uh, and we want to continue using this as a means to serve and to uh, inspire people in their relationships with the Lord uh, as long as God is calling us to. And so uh, if you have ideas for future episodes, questions that we can answer, any way we can support you or be praying for you on your journey um, as you seek to grow deeper in relationship with Jesus Christ, let us know. We're happy to help. We're happy to serve. Um, but until next time, we're praying for you and we will see you in the Eucharist. Bye. Bye.